Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, uh, episode 226. Uh, we are deep, deep, deep into the spooky season. Uh, and it's also time for politics to get up in earnest. Uh, election season coming up as well. So this week we're joined by candidate for uh, Oneida County Executive Mike Hennessy joining us here this week uh, to talk about the upcoming election. Uh, and go to VoteHennessy.com to check out what he's all about. Also this week, uh, Heather is away because I sent her away because she's sick, although I forgot to mention it until 13 minutes into the pods, and I'm telling you now. Uh, so it's just me and Kev as we run through uh, some of the big stories of the week. Uh, we'll talk about the Sunday Scaries. Uh, we're going to talk about Tom DeLonge and aliens. We're going to talk about history lessons. Uh, I don't have my write-up in front of me, so I'll just go with uh, we have lots and lots of stuff this week. All that and more, folks. Episode 226 of the Udicast. We are happy as always, to have you here on Handshake, October 26th, Barks and Brews, October 22nd. Let's do it! With rye. I have a, uh, just a Glenlivet, not in a capsule. Just a glass of scotch, just no a... ice, no nothing. <laughs> it's been one of those kind of days. Having a tough Monday. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get into that. I, I don't want to go into a whole another diatribe about what was me. We did that already a couple weeks ago. Okay. Podcast. What was me corner? What was me corner, yeah. No, I, I've, I've taken a break from that for a little bit. But it was a, it was a tough couple days. I've been very mm. busy. You've seen me in and out of the house pretty frequently over the last couple days. True. Uh, I've also been in and out. Oh, uh, we have very seen. But over the last couple days, it was your birthday. We didn't it talk was. about it last week. It Happy was birthday. Indeed. Hey, thanks. Cheers. Salud. Thanks. Yeah, Saturday was my birthday. My oldest friend. Well, not age-wise, I suppose. No, certainly not. <laughs> You're not my oldest friend. friends than me. I guess, I don't know. Have I known, I've known Goldstein maybe longer than you because we went to the Yeah, you've probably school. known him longer, yeah. Pretty close. So what are we, like 15 years? 16? At least, yeah. yeah. Closer to 20. Now, okay, getting up there. It's creeping, dude. Time marches on, I'm telling God. you. It really, I'll tell you what, when you have a birthday, it gives you time to reflect on, um, on, it's interesting because life is so long, but like it's so short. Sure. As well. You know what I mean? It gives you a lot of time to think and I'm always ponder some on my birthday. I think it's important when you have a birthday to sort of like reflect and yeah, you know, think about people. Take time to reach out to people, talk to people. Because a lot of people will be hitting you up saying happy birthday and stuff like that. And it's always a nice time to try to reconnect and reappreciate what you've got. Mm. So, so you, we've known each other for many years. Twenty years, we're thinking now. We're getting up there. Time. If you, without any prompting, in what year of our friendship were we the coolest? Oh man, <laughs> um, two thousand. We just, I think we got to go for like twenty twenty. We got to really <laughs> just push twenty twenty. We got to bring the cool back. Um, I don't know, cool in different ways. I guess I feel like probably oh oh five oh six. What was our apex mountain? Is that oh five oh six? Oh yeah, oh five to oh four to oh eight was really hitting. We were doing uh, a lot of uh, we the mountain top. Hard, yeah, the mountain top. Um, but, no, it's been good, man. I mean, we've been. I don't know. I look around. I see a lot of people going through all sorts of horrible stuff in their life and day to day and things that people have got to deal with. We've been pretty lucky. We've all got yeah. pretty good lives. You know what I mean? No, it's true. You know, I, I've said over the years, I'm kind of lucky. I think a lot of people out there in the world have maybe less than like a handful of friends that they consider close friends, and we've been pretty lucky in our lifetime to have as many 
close friendships as we do. It's something to take for granted. Definitely, and, and solid networks of people too. Something as I realize as I get older, and I think when you get older, you have less time to spend like all your time with your best friends, right? Yeah. And so as those relationships, and you take less time with them, it also forces you to kind of appreciate the more, um, I don't want to say acquaintance level, but like acquaintance level friendships in your life too. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you know a lot of people, and you meet a lot of people along the way. And as you get older, you'll have like random stop and chats with people at the grocery store. You haven't seen them forever, and you're like, oh, this person too. Like everybody makes an impact. Everybody touches. I've like actively gone out of my way over the years to not make friends with people at work. Mm, um, smart. And somehow smart. I feel pretty friendly with everybody now. In hindsight, yeah, because yeah. It, right, like it just sort of happens. Uh, so again, cheers to you on hey. your birthday. What is this? 33? 44? Oh, 34. Mm. 34. Thank you for the 33, though. Mm. Yeah, big 34 mm. coming up. How do you feel about that? I got 34 coming up. It's good. 34 is nice. When nice. do we start working? 36. Prime. 36 no, problem? Never, you can't well, worry. On the home side? You can't worry. <laughs> You're just trying to talk yourself out of it. You're trying to find a reason to get all coiled up. Uh, all right. Hey, you know, spooky season is here, folks. Yeah. Nice to get coiled up. It is uh, It is spooky season for two reasons. Halloween is upon us. We're two week. Next week will be the Halloween episode, it seems like, I think. If I'm, uh, doing, if I'm doing the math in my head, because next week will be, I don't know. Maybe two weeks. I'm not sure. i got to do the math. We're getting close to the Halloween episode. We're also getting close to the elections, the November 5th elections. It's true. Uh, so this week, uh, Mike Hennessy, United County Executive uh, Candidate. He's running from the Democratic platform against uh, Tony Pacenti. He's here this week. We had a, it was a pretty serious 40-minute conversation about, about his policies and what he's running for. Yeah, um, yeah. I had a nice time talking to him. I want to say, and I say this for everybody who comes on, uh, remember, interviews are not endorsements. You can feel what you want about what he had to say. I liked a lot of what we talked about. Uh, you can go read his platforms at votehennessy.com. I thought he laid a lot of his stuff out very cleanly and very uh, fluidly. I That's one of the things I appreciate about uh, the way you do interviews and the way we, by extension, do this show is I think it's great to have a platform where it's like, listen, we're going to come on and it's not going to be like, we're going to necessarily be your cheerleaders, but like we're not going to sit here and try to hold your feet to the fire. Just come on and talk about yeah. you and be separate because, like, you know, this is a people podcast. And it's a, I think it's always interesting to find out about the people behind the politician because those two can never be, like, yeah. one-to-one exactly the same. And, you know, we didn't stray away from uh, political mm-hmm. topics, mind you. Any, anyone who comes on this podcast for politics over the next few weeks is probably going to talk about the downtown hospital. They're probably going to talk As about they should. Nano. Did you see they started fencing all that off down there? <laughs> it's a mess Looks, what, It's going to be, I'll tell you what, it's going to be not even that, but it's my somebody uh, I was talking to pointed out, it's going to be weird when buildings start coming out yep. and yep. it's just empty. It's going to feel mm-hmm. very disorienting, you know what I mean? Down through those streets a lot. Uh, before we get into this week's show, I have some. We have a lot of stuff to cover this week. Uh, I didn't mention it last week, and I don't know if it happened until afterwards. You had another podcast appearance. We talked about it last week. I did have another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you were double duty last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, I was double duty. I was on another show. Um, I was on the Fishbowl podcast mm-hmm. from Fish Guy Network. Um, the Fish Brothers. How was that? It was interesting. It was a lot of fun. I had a really good time. I've never been on somebody else's podcast. Yeah. And they were, we were really content to just chat. We literally talked for like almost three hours and mm-hmm. just pressed the record button and went there. They got a nice setup though and they're great guys. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. They wanted to have you on the show too. So they want you to come on. So we're going we to have you out there again. They got all sorts of, st- it's up your alley. They do a sports show. They've got a video game show. So these are two <sighs> items that are near and dear to you. I mean, my whole plan in the future, I'll just put it out here, is I'm just going to Swallow up all these other local podcasts for the Uducast Podcast Network. That's the plan. See, the just master the mastermind. the mastermind. You bring them all together. It's like the the Five Families Conference. <laughs> You'll be the Lucky Luciano of Utica Podcasting. Um, so I want to start um with something real quickly about 
um, about the movie Scream, okay? Uh, I'm into that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So earlier this week, I read a, an article today. It was on The Cut. Um, mm-hmm. So you can go to that. It's called, Okay, Fine, Scream is Really Good, is the name of the article. Yeah, of course. A person who's begrudgingly talking about all the horror movies they've seen and how like, the only scary horror movie they've seen in years is The Orphanage from 2007. Great <laughs> movie. That was really good. Uh, but they didn't care for like Hereditary and a lot of other stuff. That's, that's a foolish, wow, yeah. foolish, foolish uh, take. So the, uh, the article's fine. but Hereditary uh, was great. I loved Hereditary. That was man. really good. I would never. I might never watch it again because it was so heavy, but man, it wasn't good. <laughs> it's such a tough watch. I like the form. I'll probably watch it again a couple times. I like Tony Collette. I said it in, I actually got... Uh, I got some buzz on Twitter when I said that. Tony Collette should have won an Oscar for that performance. She's so good in that. Who was buzzing? Tony Collette's people Tony reached Collette's out. people reached out. Tony Collette wants to come on the pod. Yeah. Tony Collette, if you're listening, always an open door uh, to come on the Unicast. Uh, I did get retweeted by somebody I respect on Twitter this week. We'll talk about oh, that in a minute. Go. Did you see that? We got the Unicast retweet. I don't. I never get on Twitter anymore. I'll, take, I'll talk about that in a second, too. Okay. Uh, but anyway, Scream. Yeah, Scream. So I got thinking about it. Earlier this week, I was babysitting, or Friday, I was babysitting my niece and nephew. Uh, for about an hour before they had to go to karate practice. It was like the after-school gig. After-school gig. Right, yeah, right. Just hanging out with the kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they just want to do their own thing. How old are the niece and nephew? Mm, 14 and 11. Don't be, don't hold me to those. That's about right, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, she's 14, he's 11-ish. Mm-hmm. I could be totally wrong. Sorry, Karen. Um, we're probably not totally, I, wrong. totally not. I'm close they're Definitely not like five and six. No, they're <laughs> definitely, no, no, no. One's in middle school, one's in high, uh, elementary, like fifth grade. So Okay. Um, so they're both sort of independently on their devices, right? Mm-hmm. She's like tweeting, texting with her friends, mm-hmm. and he's just like watching just the weirdest YouTube videos, like stuff I never. <laughs> just like I watched some weird stuff on YouTube. I was just like weird. We stuff gotta get on a YouTube, YouTube. Recommendation, recommendation list for him for the podcast. Yeah. Top ten recommended YouTube um, videos. But I was flipping through the channels, and I usually try and find something if I can coax them into doing something with me. If there's a movie on or a TV show that I like, I'll try and get them in on it. Or if Luke's really, I'll get him in playing video games of some sort. Right? Mm-hmm. If they go play Nintendo with me or something. We played yeah, yeah. Uh, Contra last week for like an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was flipping through the channels, and Scream was on. But it was on like Freeform, like some miscellaneous cable network. So it was yeah, like edited TBS. out. Yeah, like yeah, some yeah. TBS style edited show. So I go, all right, this movie's just starting, right? I ju- like, yeah. It's just after Barry Moore gets killed, right? So my niece, I'm like, yo, Sage, come in and watch this movie with me. She's like, mm-hmm. what is it? I'm like, it's a scary movie from when I was a kid. I think you're going to like it. So I, I tried to get her to watch this movie with me. My nephew was not interested. Right. Just, like 100% not interested. She did not care for it for the most mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Because it was a little slow, I think. Yeah. A movie from ni- that era seems a little slow to a kid from today. Also, I feel like if you could... I've watched that movie a bunch. I loved that movie when I was younger. And I still, mm-hmm. you know, was a fan of the genre. I think it's a great movie. If you don't see that first scene... Yes. That's the hook. Yeah, it's tough. Like, if she missed the Drew Barrymore thing and they just started with, like, these brooding teens at a high school, I could see where it takes a minute to get in there. Well, there were things she liked about it. She liked the dynamic of the teenagers, right? Like, she liked that Billy, the boyfriend, spoiler alert, who's the killer, was a creep. She's like, that guy's weird. I don't don't know if I like that guy. Yeah, yeah. She recognized Henry Winkler from something else, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, I know that guy from something else, right? Right. So she would get distracted. Uh, She did see one person get killed. I forget who the first person who gets killed in the movie after... Um, after Barry Moore is, but the first kill in the movie, yeah, I don't remember who it was, but she saw that and she was not really affected by it. One way. Henry Winkler, I think it is Henry Winkler. He gets killed in the in the principal's office. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, uh, so she wasn't particularly affected by it, mm. uh, but I think by the end she was getting into it. Like she was right. curious about how it ended when I brought her to the thing. So mm. 
I think Scream still holds up. I would go back and watch it again now. Oh, Although, yeah, you know, I, it's funny you say that because I actually just rewatched it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We were looking for a movie to watch late one night and we decided on Scream. Um, and I was watching it with somebody who'd never yeah. seen it before, and so I was kind of going through yeah. the same kind of thing, you know what I mean, with like a lens of somebody who's never seen this movie that I've mm-hmm. seen a million times. Yeah, it definitely holds up, and it's funny to watch a like, younger generation, like your niece and nephew, the same way that we encountered you know, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street when we were kids. It's like, yeah, here's this movie you've heard about. You definitely know this monster's face, so to speak. Yeah. You get it's a franchise. Here's what started it, and you get like the second hand, second generation reaction. Uh, she recognized the costume too. So the screen. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm mask, saying. That face. That yeah, actual... certain certain aspects of it have crossed over into general mainstream oh, culture yeah. in the same way. Uh, although the one thing I do notice about that movie when I watch it now, do you notice the killer kind of gets his ass kicked the whole movie, just getting hit in the face with bottles and tripping over people? The killer is very clumsy in yeah. the movie. Super mm-hmm. clumsy. Mm-hmm. Now I get that they're teenagers. But right. Matthew Lillard doesn't seem that clumsy otherwise in the but movie. Kinda. He's like a twitchy dude. I like Matthew Lillard. What happened Matthew, to him? He's not. I think he had a resurgence. He was in the most recent season of Twin Peaks. Did you ever see the movie The Descendants with George Clooney? I'm familiar with it. It's really, really sad. Mm. Um, but he's in it and he's very good. Mm. Everybody's very good. It's a good movie. Watch it. The Descendants. Uh, also watch Scream if you can find it somewhere. It seems to be on it's right It's on now. Netflix. It's on Netflix. Oh yeah, it's on Netflix. You know what else is on Netflix for the Halloween season? Another mm. recommendations. Random them out. Uh, Candyman. Candyman. The original Candyman is on Netflix. Uh, one of the more underrated horror movies of that, like, that boom, that VHS store blockbuster boom period. A bit deeper as a horror movie than a lot of the other stuff. A little bit more thematic stuff going on. A lot more uh, relevant yeah. today than it's ever been, too. How about it? With a lot of the, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean, with being set, like, yeah. in a city, you know what I mean, in a very urban mm-hmm. environment, different stuff like that. Yeah. It's a great movie. So, I just want to talk about this real quickly, and then we'll move on. Sure. Uh, this morning, I was a bit stressed out. Yeah. Okay. A lot of it had to do with the fact that I've been working a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, working a lot of extra shifts. Uh, we got a lot of stuff coming up. Haunted Handshake, October 26th. Mm-hmm. A lot of prep I still have to do for that. Mm-hmm. And that's really stressing me out. Um, so I woke up at like 3.35 this morning. Just I didn't mean to. Right. I just, I was awake. I was like, ah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here I am. Mm-hmm. So I woke up for about an hour. And I wasn't like having a panic attack necessarily. But oh, I was, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I was annoyed. Right? right, and I knew why I was annoyed. I had a lot of stuff going on for the rest of the day that I felt like I was somewhat underprepared for, mm-hmm. whether it was the podcast or work or whatever it was. Um, and I put out a tweet at around seven o'clock this morning. Um, and I'll, I'm take bear with me as I do some bad radio here while I pull it up, but um, I put out a series of two tweets, and one of them was, uh, "If I'm not sick by the start of next week, I'll be absolutely shocked." Because I, I just feel... We, Heather's not here, by the way. I don't know if we talked about Heather. You did not. We are 13 minutes in the podcast. You did Heather's not. not complete here. no sell. Sorry, Heather. Uh, yeah, Heather is sick. So even though the she told me... The virus has been stalking. Yeah. I feel like everybody and yeah. everybody I've talked to is either sick or everybody they know is sick. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. It's that season. Yeah. Uh, Heather, I've got a theory about why. Heather is sick now. So mm-hmm. I told her, just stay home. Stay I away. love you. We all love you on the podcast. I stay want away. you to be here. Stay away. Do but, not come here. Uh, and then after, but I got some responses to that. And one of those was from GFOP uh, Pete Forgets. Great, mm-hmm. great guest. And he said, same, I'm napalming the candle at both ends the last week and a half. And that's exactly how I've been feeling. Mm-hmm. So I just retweeted it and wrote like this, which I hate to do. I never do. I, I hate to do a yeah, tweet yeah. that starts with this. But I it, gotcha. you know, I gotcha. uh, I'm sorry, but self-care and recovery time shouldn't be the ex- uh, the exception to the rule. I know way too many people in my regular life who feel this way. Uh-huh. Right. And this week got a lot of responses from our, a lot of from our regular listeners, but a lot of interaction. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it's sort of hit on some sort of nerve with people who feel this way. 
Mm. Uh, I found an article from earlier this week uh, that says, based on a report by the Center of American Progress on the topic of work and family life balance, uh, the United States is the most overworked nation in the country. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Mm-hmm. U.S. is the only country without national paid uh, parent leave benefits. Uh, and also, um, I want to find the number here. Like It says there's a crazy amount of hours that we work more than other countries. Yes. It's insane. Yeah, I've read a lot of stuff about this. <laughs> yeah. And it's not. And here's the thing. I like my job. I like working with the kids. Yes. I like mm-hmm. going in and... You know, helping them with their assignments and taking them to these college visits and doing stuff. It's great. Right. But it's still work. It's no, yeah, it's true. I, and I know because, like, we talk about it a lot. Like, I know you're very fulfilled by your job and, like, you enjoy mm-hmm. what you do and, like, you get a tangible benefit from it. Yeah. I think what it, I mean, I don't, what a lot of this stems from, because you see it with everybody in different stuff, it's like they're, when you, when you hire employees, you got to kind of trust your employees to be, like, functioning adults mm-hmm. who can like keep their stuff together and like yeah. if they come to you and say hey I need a day I do this job I work here I come in here all year round you know what I mean I've mm-hmm. been here for years I need to take mm-hmm. this day I know what I have to do it's gonna get done the world's not yeah. gonna fall apart but unfortunately I think a lot of the people in power at like you know pretty much any job you work now just come from a different time where mm-hmm. it worked differently and where there were these weird unwritten rules that like you couldn't um, deviate from well this is pretty for common. whatever reason this is pretty common in a lot of jobs and it's very common in education and I'm sure other people recognize this you have days I have sick days I have vacation days I have time off that's allotted to me yeah the problem is there are certain times of the year when it doesn't matter right right it, it's just like there's mm-hmm. you can take that time in allotted areas where things are slowed down yeah 100 like, there are times when every they, job yeah every job and that feels very uh i don't know i don't know what the word is not backwards but it feels very it's detrimental bullshit. yeah nah, it's no. bullshit that's what it is i mean uh, i found the number by the way americans work 137 more hours per year than japanese workers 240 more hours per uh, per year than british workers and 499 hours more than french workers moving to france you know Yo, send me to lyon the quality <laughs> of life put your boy put in me lyon in lyon um and it also brought me to a different article that i found from nbc's like nbc news you ever heard of the term the sunday scaries yeah are you familiar with what it is uh yeah for those of you who are not uh, the sunday scaries is not a scientific term it's a generalized no. term for the common feeling of anxiety that builds up over the course of a Sunday afternoon and evening. This is generally for people who work like Monday through Friday. Monday to Friday, yeah. yeah. According to a survey conducted by job website Monster, so take that for what it is, uh, mm-hmm. up to 76% of Americans have self-reported feeling really bad anxiety on Sunday nights compared to just 47% of people from around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to say, I felt very much the Sunday scaries last night. Right. I was feeling it hard at around like 9 o'clock, mm-hmm. just like... I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't have a take on it. I guess just being aware that stuff like this exists and is common is well, helpful. Well, I think uh, that that's, I think you're hitting right at the right thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, a lot of it comes down to mindfulness. Yeah. And you have to, you know, really, it's something that'll help you kind of every avenue in your life. Just try to practice being mindful. And, and when you can think about stuff, like we've talked about it before, like you get, you get upset about one thing and it'll steamroll to yes. different issues and different issues. Start a daisy chain reaction. Like it's important to be able to sit there and have that minute in your head. You're like, hey, listen, all right. Chill out. This thing's mm-hmm. happening. I can't do anything about this thing from right now till when I go to bed. I can't. I can't tomorrow. do anything. This will be tomorrow mm-hmm. when tomorrow comes. But right now, I can't do anything about it. So I've got to 
try to put well, it in a box and force it to the side. You probably saw me last night. At some point in time in the middle of the night, at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, whatever it was last night, I just kind of got up and left. Yeah, you ravenously disappeared. I don't I know was, what was going on. I was gone. I was just, yeah. I was kind of tired, and I yeah. didn't know what was going on, so I was like, I'm going to take a lay down and see what goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I assumed that would be it until I woke up at 3 in the morning. Well, that's the, I think yeah. that's the problem, too. That's what happens to me. I think it's just about like when you get older and you get into routines is if, like, you fall asleep strangely, like, if you fall asleep, like, I've fallen asleep sometimes with, like, my lights on and not really, like, prepared, like, you just lay down and kind of fall asleep, then you wake up in, like, the mid of mid-morning, it's, like, two, three in the morning, and you're all off, but you can't get to sleep because you're awake and everything's all... My general rule is don't wake me up, but... I'm not going to be mad if someone turns off a light in a room that the light is on if I'm sleeping in it. That's yeah, totally, yeah. yeah, that's fine. I'm for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, all right, you guys want to move on? Move on? You guys. You guys, me. Heather, where Save are you? Uh, I have a couple man. other stories this week. Save this man. Uh, this is just an update here from something we've talked about. Okay. Our boy Tom DeLong. Uh, <laughs> Tom DeLong's UFO research group this week, this is from uh, Vice, yeah, signed a contract that. with the U.S. Army to develop far future tech, including mysterious exotic metals active camouflage, and beamed energy propulsion. What? <laughs> I, every news story I read more and more just makes me think that we're living in, like, some weird stimulation and the creators are messing with us. I mean... Like, what are you... <laughs> Tom so DeLong. the guy, Tom DeLong, for anyone who doesn't know, Tom DeLong um, was the guy with the whinier voice in Blink-182. One of the foundational members of that band, Blink-182, running naked in the music videos, telling, like, you know, fart jokes, the whole thing that oh, Blink yeah. used to be famous for. Now he's, like, dedicated his life into forcing the government to, like, expose aliens. Yeah. What is going on? Yeah, the To the Stars Academy, which is a thing you can go look up on the internet. Like, you can't you really get, like. I mean, people can't get a day off for their mental health, <laughs> and Tom DeLonge's getting millions from the Pentagon <laughs> to yeah. make future tech. Man, so the, gov- the government is interested specifically in studying... Uh, inertial mass reduction, a type of far future propulsion system. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mechanical and structural metamaterials. Mm-hmm. There's thrown words together, I feel like. Electromagnetic metamaterial waveguides. That's a thing. Uh huh. Quantum physics, ant- uh, active camouflage, quantum communications, and beamed energy propulsion. Mm. Uh, so I guess no Blink 182 reunion in the future. <laughs> I guess kinda, I think that's uh, what it means. That's at the end. I think that's. But you know what's the one thing I will mm. say for, for Tom DeLong? Um, as somebody who's always liked Blink, like when they came out, I was at a young age, I was learning how to play music, so I was really into that band, and I've always got a spot in my heart for him. He was writing songs back in 97, 98, saying aliens exist, they're out there, this is my whole thing. He's been consistent up this trail for like, you know, literally 20 Mm -hmm. years now, so more power to you, bud. I don't know. Keep keep going. Shine on, you crazy diamond. Uh, I feel like this next story is going to get... A little bit of a short shift. Uh, I just saw it this morning, uh, and it's a Facebook story. Mm. Mark Zuckerberg came out s- today saying uh, they're unveiling new plans to fight 2020 election interference. Mm. Uh, and it says it's also found interference coming from authoritarian regimes overseas. In an interview with NBC News, mm. uh, Zuckerberg said the company has thwarted new interference campaigns from Russian, uh, Russia and Iran uh, in regards to groundwork for future manipulation efforts. This is a uh. quote. Yeah, right? I know. So this is the this is the quote. We'll continue to see their tact. We continue to see their tactics are evolving. He said in an interview with Lester Holt. Uh, today we were basically we uh, were basically announcing that we found the new set. Uh, we found a set of campaigns. They're highly sophisticated. They signal that these nation states intend to be active in these upcoming elections. You can go watch the Lester Holt interview on NBC if you want. Mm-hmm. But 
Should we feel... Is this a face turn from Zuckerberg, or is this a little boy who cried Not wolf? at all. No, this is damage control. <laughs> damage just, control. He, I mean, this okay. is, he's trying to change the narrative from where he was at last week, where he hmm. came out and said that it's okay if like American politicians lie in yeah. their ads on Facebook, because it's not up to Facebook to decide whether they're lying or not. No. Zuckerberg should... I, Throw him in jail and break up Facebook. Like, do you remember when Zuckerberg was going to run for president? I remember when idiot blogs got people <laughs> clicking about it for four days. Um, all right, so let's move on to one last news story, and I'm only bringing it up because uh, during the interview with Mike Hennessy, uh, Mike Hennessy actually talks a lot about how he thinks that hemp farms are going to be a boon for upstate New York farmers. Oh, nice. So something we did discuss during the interview. I also saw this article uh, from earlier this week from ABC Chicago, weirdly, but it's based mm. out of Savannah, New York. Uh, Del Weed, which is the guy's name, by the way, the farmer's uh-huh. name, which is hilarious. Uh, he's, Further proof that we live in a stimulation. Yeah, what, what a world. Uh, he's growing industrial uh, hemp in upstate New York farm, but he's been getting thieves who are stealing his hemp plants because mm. they think yep. that it's marijuana. <laughs> uh, unlike marijuana, hemp contains very low levels of THC and won't get you high. Uh, it started out with taking 20 plants and escalated to 100, says Dale Weed. Uh, to them, it's worthless. They can smoke a whole telephone pole of this, and it won't have any effect. That's a bad take. <laughs> so it's not worthless to them. They're not. They're not stealing yeah. all these plants so they can smoke them. They're stealing them so they can sell them. Mm, yes, and, and well, they just bag it up. They make it look regular, and they sell it. They're like, here you go. And they don't care once they've got the uh, money. I didn't even think about that. That's what they're doing. These people aren't smoking it. They know. Uh, so yeah. So some of this, the perils of the upstate New York hemp farmer came up. It would be. It's. Uh, we do have is a bunch of farmland to be that would be a great thing. I, think. I mean, go look up. There's like go look up if you want a good history lesson, like why hemp is like not a thing we use in America and why it got shut down by the paper company. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, shout out to your boy William Randolph. <laughs> William Randolph Hearst in his campaign um, against the hemp weed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah look Citizen that Kane himself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can look that up if you want more info. But for now. Uh, let's let go. the people farm the plants. Let the people farm. If it's a crop, if it's a thing mm. comes from the earth, it was put here for you and me. Let's help out these farmers. Some, someone's got to. Somebody do it. really somebody's has to do it. Uh, all right, let's get to this week's interview uh, with uh, candidate for executive uh, United County Executive Mike Hennessy. Uh, again, nice forty-minute interview. We talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about the downtown hospital. Uh, we talked about running against uh, Pacenti's relationship with him at this point in time, uh, and we talked about. Uh, a lot of the stuff he's running for his platforms. You can go to vohennessy.com to check it out. Here's our interview with Mike Hennessy. We'll be back in just a minute. By the time people hear this, it will be um, it'll be a little bit closer. But as of today, as of right now, when we're doing this interview, you were about sixteen-ish, seventeen days away from the from the election, on November fifth. It's uh, 16, 16, 16 days. By the time people hear this, it'll be yeah. a little bit closer. Also. But uh, I guess my first question is, what's your stress or excitement level at at this particular stage? About two weeks out, how are you sort of feeling oh, two weeks away? It's usually I'm. Uh, it's a stage of getting burnt out. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hear that. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I'm running late as I did to you today. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it's there's the excitement that'll come mm-hmm. probably next week because we have all our debates next week. Yes, uh, and that's uh, I was going to ask you about that in a little bit, so we'll save that. But I'm, I'm looking forward to some yeah. of the debate stuff. Uh, but of course, we have Mike Hennessy here. He is the United County uh, Executive candidate uh, running as a Democrat. Running as a Democrat, mm-hmm. not endorsed by the executive committee, but uh, mm-hmm. we went out and did our own work and got the 1,000 signatures that we need. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, ex- and I could be wrong here, so please explain. Uh, it's you and Tony Pacenti. Is there anyone else running in the race? No. Just no. you two, just yeah. head-to-head. Okay, wonderful. Uh, so, Mike, let's, uh, before we... I do... also have the Libertarian line. Oh, Libertarian line, okay. And right. the new one, Sam, which was yep. uh, out of Syracuse, Mrs. Minor, the mayor got on the line to vote uh, to run against Cuomo, mm-hmm. and she finished with enough votes to put her party into a major mm-hmm. status. It's funny. When I was looking up news for to do some research, I saw the same thing on there, and I was yeah. going to ask you a little bit about that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. Um, but let's start, though, with a little bit of history about you, because I'd like to let sure. people know a little bit about you. Mike, uh, my research, and it could be wrong, so please feel free right. to correct me, you were uh, born and raised in Sherrill, New York? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, and do you still have family out there, or is... Well, several of my aunts and uncles have died mm. since I moved there back. Yeah. Um, I do have uh, I do have one aunt that technically mm. says. She's, Are you still in Cheryl currently? Yes. Yeah. How have you How have you like Did you like staying in Cheryl the whole life? Did you ever leave at all? Oh, been I there did. The I time? left to go to college at Niagara mm. University. Then. Oh, wonderful! I met my future wife there, and uh, I followed mm. her to Rochester. She tells everybody, and. Mm. But uh, I fell in love with the city of Rochester. Oh, yeah. uh, but my job, they it's a bank, a good-sized bank. They were buying up uh, problem banks in New York City, and mm-hmm. they asked me to go down and run the investment oh. side of the bank. Before I move too far away, I just like I like to ask, uh, were you an only child? Did you have brothers and sisters? Oh, I had five brothers and sisters. Oh, wonderful. And I, I was because I had two older sisters growing up, but we were yeah. very uh, distant in age. And yeah. I think that our relationship, because that has always been really good, there was no. Uh, you know, it, it's been nice to have that support. And I just wonder, are you still are you still friendly, close with your brothers? Oh, and stuff? I'm you close can't... to uh, my brother in Saratoga because uh-huh. he's close, you know. Yeah. Uh, my sister lives mm-hmm. in Denver. That's tough. And uh sister in Maryland. But I see mm-hmm. them all. And I have a sister up in uh, Potsdam. And you went to VVS school system before went you went to, to Yes, I went to VVS. Wonderful. Uh, as a Proctor student, uh, all I knew about VVS is it was always a tough football game. What, yeah. what kind of student were you back then? Were you a jock? Were you? Uh... No, I, I played some sports. Mm. I, I was an average student. I wasn't mm. uh, maybe a little bit south of uh, an average student. <laughs> I, uh, my mother was a mm. part-time teacher at VVS, oh, and she came down with cancer my senior oh, year and, and passed away. Mm. Um, and uh, that changed what I was going to do. I was going to go to a college out in Ohio, mm. Ohio Northern University oh, yeah. for pre-law. Mm-hmm. Sure. But uh, that changed everything, and uh, with no regrets other than losing my mother. Mm. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that. It's uh, well, very sad. I've lost, uh, lost, we've talked about it in the pod, I've lost a few friends, especially young friends, growing yeah. up to cancer. And it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. a horrible feeling because yeah. you, 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 get, you get in the idea that, you know, these are good people and they're going to fight and they're going to get through it. And it's just not always the way it goes no, sometimes. And it's, no. a, it's a hard thing. And uh, I don't want to linger too long on that. No. Um, so let me ask you, Niagara University, so yeah. you go there. What was your what was your major at the time? What were you? Political science. Political science. I and... worked, don't tell anybody, but <laughs> I, I uh, took a whole year to work for uh, President Carter and his oh, national wow. campaign staff. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. funny. I was just listening to a podcast this week about, and they were talking about, um, well, it was about the Ellen... 
having uh, sitting next to the George W. Bush. Thing, oh yeah, and they were sort of asking about you know which former politicians could you sort of get taken a photo with and not get picked on one side or the other. And I think Jimmy Carter was the answer. People were like, yeah, he seems like pretty safe now to get take a picture of Jimmy Carter. You know, he he was. I I actually got to meet him Mm. and get to know him a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I I got to know the kids because back then. When we had the primaries, it was the Rose Garden strategy because he stayed at the White House and the family would come out and campaign mm-hmm. because of the hostage situation oh, wow. in yeah. Iran. So oh, my God. I didn't get to see him a lot, but, mm. you know, and he invited us, the staff back uh, two weeks before he left the White House in January. So mm-hmm. so political science, uh, this is this is your... your uh, your first going to Niagara, you it's know, my love. You know my, early on that you want to be into politics. Yeah, right? it's my love, politics. So. Was there a, and I just, I'm just curious because I think for a lot of my, again, I work in a high school and I, I sort of see a lot of my kids coming to politics at different times whenever mm-hmm. it catches. I'm sort of curious just for our listeners, was there a particular moment that you remember where you... Yeah, s- yeah it's a great question yeah. and um, it happened when I was uh, 10 years old. Mm-hmm. 10 years old, really? Wow. I, for some reason was glued to the TV and watching Robert Kennedy. Robert Kennedy, yeah. The passion and the mm. concern for working class people. Um, and he died. Uh, yeah, it was a sad moment. Yeah. You know, it's funny too, I think a lot of people, you know, growing up as a, I'm a history major, I went to college mm. for it. Um, you know, the JFK assassination is such a hot topic discussion that I feel like people sort of don't talk about the Bobby Kennedy assassination in the way that they debate the, the, the JFK one. And it's such a, sad moment and I watched the I just recently watched a documentary about Bobby Kennedy and really it's just it felt like such a downer he did feel like such a positive force at the time and to have that sort of taken away from him so so early on I don't think we've had a a more passionate Mm. candidate since his death um well that's actually it's a good question I I just want to ask you because this is something I talk to a lot of Mm -hmm. I've, I've had multiple politicians on the podcast over the years whether it's Congressman Brindisi or Assemblyman um some in Buttonshine, um, mm-hmm. or the mayor's been on, and I've had Joe Marino on multiple times. And all of them sort of discuss the big difference between local politics and national politics. Um, mm-hmm. And for you, do you see, like, what's the biggest difference you see between running from, like, a local election or what you see in, like, national politics? Well, you know, local government has been um, not much different than the fighting that you see in federal mm-hmm. government. The infighting. Yeah, I mean, my opponent has, I thought, livened up the uh, <laughs> the discourse of politics locally. You know, he's a tough person to deal with, and uh, um, that's one of the reasons why I'm running. So let me ask you uh, a question, because I, I did a little bit of research before you came in. Was there was there some sort can you explain that what happened with the lawsuit type situation that you dropped eventually? How did that all work, work out? What happened? Well, it happened at the Board of Elections. Mm-hmm. Um they threw out enough petitions to make me 20-some short. Really? And we looked at the ones they threw out, and mm-hmm. we brought, like, 18 witnesses to the court case. They didn't have any. And 18 people were put right in, and then others by uh, legibility, uh, ability to look at it, signature, say, oh, yeah, that's right, mm-hmm. that's close. You know, we brought one person from Verona, New York. He was, like, uh, late 80s. Mm-hmm. He had to bring him in by wheelchair. He had a stroke. He had signed with, you know, when he had the stroke. Well, it doesn't look like a signature on the signature card. They keep signature cards. Are those the kind of things that they actually... No, the Board of Elections brought that up. And we said, look, the guy is 80-some years old. 
He's in a wheelchair. You can see he had a stroke, and obviously no one who's had a stroke and that it's affected your right side is going to be able to sign exactly. Sure. But uh, it was close enough. The judge ruled, um, you know, I think he looked at it as being very, you know, questionable why they're pulling this guy in. So we got that. We then won the case with Judge Murray. Mm-hmm. Handling, you did a very, very good job. It was good to see that we have the quality of judges that we do in Oneida County. Wonderful. Uh, so, I just got to ask. Um, I do want to get into some political stuff here, just that's, a little bit. That's of why we're here. Uh, but I do want to say, um, if people want to know more about your platforms and stuff, uh, your website, votehennessy.com, is a really nice uh, way you've set up so that people can look through what your platforms are yeah. and how you feel about it. I, I really encourage the public to look at votehennessy.com mm-hmm. because then look at my opponents and you can see night and day a lot of new ideas mm-hmm. are in there and it's much more in depth and we've been mm-hmm. we've been applauded for our, our website. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think you did a really nice job. Very clean, easy to read. Uh, yeah. Allows a lot to, uh, allows people to see a lot of what your platforms are without yeah. really having to question what it is. Yeah. Uh, so I do want to talk about one thing, though, and I'm just sort of curious. So uh, this is from an article from uh, from April, and I'm sure it hasn't changed too much. Uh, it says your sort of plan was originally you want to try and turn a corner by cutting taxes, cutting spending, and being more fiscally responsible. Um, and I, I just I think about this because I just watched the uh, the national debates yeah. on Tuesday, and it seemed like the moderators were really trying to pin down Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders on saying you're just please say you're going to raise taxes, and no mm-hmm. one seemed willing to say that. I, I grew up with parents in public school. I, I believe in public education and the public right. sector. And my belief growing up has always been that taxes are required to, to finance the things we need as a public facility, whether it's roads or infrastructure. Right. And I think that a lot, it seems like over the last 10 years, the idea of saying that we have to raise taxes has become a dirty word. And I wonder if that's just a national issue or, how you, or why have we gotten to that point where the idea that raising taxes is a dirty word and is it just that it's presented that well, way? Because a lot of people, when they add up all their taxes, they're paying too much. Right. In, in opinions of the voters and me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've cut taxes wherever I've been. The county legislator, mm-hmm. I was the leader in getting the sales tax down a full sure. point. From nine and three quarters down to eight and three quarters. A quarter of that came from the state. So mm-hmm. three quarters the county was responsible for. It's a crime. Mm-hmm. Eight and th- even eight and three quarters. I want to drop the sales tax down to at least as far down as eight and a half, maybe, and hopefully mm-hmm. eight and a quarter. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, and I really believe this, and te- uh, President Kennedy was a very fiscally conservative Democrat. Sure. People don't realize that, but he had some big tax cuts. And tax cuts generate economic activity. Mm-hmm. And in the form of purchasing uh, products, your sales tax goes up. Mm-hmm. And there's a natural built-in inflation yeah. for sales taxes to go up. So... Um, I think we can cut the property. I know we can cut the property tax down, and I know the areas I will work on right away, day one, on in, in getting a new budget. They'll pass a budget in the middle of November, late November. I'm going to ask them not to enact that budget mm-hmm. until uh, I'm sworn in um, so we can get some uh, areas of discussion. Discussion. you got to work with both sides of the party to get this accomplished. Uh, I would hope that the Republicans who are running as Republicans are true Republicans and hmm. the, their conservative side will show up and, and we can work it out. Do you think that that's been, I, I think I've, I said this during uh, the debates with a friend of mine, I said, you know, if we get 8 to 10, 12 years from now, 
and you're looking at like a presidential race between Alexandria Sasha Cortez and Dan Crenshaw, it means we've gone to a really partisan place, like mm-hmm. in our national politics. Right. And whereas if you looked at like someone like Pete Buttigieg and like John Kasich running 12 years from now, it would symbol maybe we've moved back toward the center. Mm-hmm. Do you get concerned that we get too caught up in the the national concern about like? left and right, when in reality, it seems locally, most people tend to be more agree- agreeable than they are disagreeable on the local yeah. level. On the local level, yeah, but it's more they're behind the scenes. Everything in county and city government is a caucus, mm-hmm. and that caucus is where they they decide how they're going to vote, Sure, and they go out in the front of the public and they vote. So you don't see the arguments uh, in county and uh, city government yeah. because it's kind of behind the scenes. Sure, of course. Um. Yeah, I like that group, No Labels, mm-hmm. and um, I, I'm a very independent Democrat. I was just told I can't speak in front of the Democratic woman. Really? Yeah, uh. because I don't play the game. I'm mm-hmm. very independent, uh, and uh, I see I, I have a cons- fiscal conservative side to me, and I have more of a moderate on mm-hmm. issues, on progressive issues. On, I mean, social issues. I'm more. I'm more progressive in that regard. And that seems to be something that even going back 10 years or so, like talking to my stepdad, who was a former Republican who over the last, let's call it 10 to 12 years, has shifted away from the Republican Party and has become sort of a more central Democrat. I think there is a large group of people who feel they are fiscally conservative and socially liberal. And I I don't know if you look at the world that's out there and it feels like it doesn't speak to those two things anymore feels like you're one of the others, yeah. at least on a national. I think there is a push, especially on a national front, to try to label people yes. either one way or the other. And I come down the middle of the road and I say that I've got a libertarian streak in me where mm-hmm. I sometimes think uh, government's too much involved in mm-hmm. my life. And I have a, uh, I like the SAM party because it has the uh, real strong message about transparency and also uh, corruption. Um, I want to get into something that we've talked about a lot in the show, and it's been somewhat controversial. I've tried to stay away from making an opinion one way or the other, although people on each side have claimed that I'm wrong on both sides. But uh, in that same article from April in the United Dispatch, you had said at the time uh, that you were not necessarily against the new downtown hospital. You wanted to sit down and crunch the numbers before coming to a conclusion. Fast forward to September 23rd, I was looking at your Facebook page, and you've pretty much come out and said that you are not supporting Downtown Hospital. You'd like them to stop? I would like them to stop. Um, mm-hmm. I would be open to listening to both sides, but right now I fall strongly with no Downtown Hospital. And I guess my question is, um, between April and September, what happened that sort well, of changed your mind? Well, a couple things. Mm-hmm. Uh, small things and big things. Sure. Uh, small things just... Uh, Driving down there, I drive down there quite a bit, and mm-hmm. I was going down the Board of Elections quite a bit during <laughs> that period. And uh, I just thought about it, you know, we got a hockey uh, group, we got with the Comets, yeah. and we have, uh, they want to build a Nexus Center, which I'm really favorable. I, I, yeah. I go to Lake Placid, Cooperstown mm-hmm. for baseball, and my kid uh, played baseball and down there in those uh, Field of Dreams and all the parents that come into the area with their other kids and and they spend money and they mm-hmm. go to the restaurants that project that concept with hockey and other sports mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to mm-hmm. me and we can uh, really help uh, a lot of a lot of our uh, local businesses and therefore we'll see an increase in sales taxes and it'll pay for itself in the long run so 
I believe in the Nexus Center. I think the police station should stay down in that general area and might have to be uh, renovated. Sure. Um, there'll, there'll be room to do that with a nice parking lot. I have um, to. Oh, the downtown ahead. hospital itself, that's one reason. Second reason is, and maybe it's the other way around, first reason, is I don't believe we have the money. We can't afford to put a new, brand new hospital mm -hmm. down anywhere. Okay. We have. Um, the St. Luke, St. Luke's campus, mm -hmm. and they have a rehab there. They have an elderly place. They, they have all the other units, and uh, you have the other medical group down there. Why don't you keep it all in one spot? Now, if we need to put the new, uh, put part of that mm -hmm. property back into Utica for helping uh, on mm -hmm. taxes, uh, I'd be willing to talk about that. I'm open-minded. Mm -hmm. You know, Democrats or Republicans, they don't have a monopoly on good ideas mm -hmm. so i listen to everybody sure. i talk about a government where tony is always making decisions and then telling us we got to do this i'm going to be the other way around i'm going to um, go to t uh, city meetings i'm going to go to town and uh, village meetings and ask them what they want are you in favor if we did this um give me participation over uh somebody mm -hmm. dictating it every day um, and I have to say, you know, for me, and I'm, I'm only thinking about this from, and I think people have heard me say this a million times, my concern with a lot of the folks who have been anti-downtown, and again, my argument was growing up in the city, and I, I left from 2007, I came back in 2015 after I finished college and came back from New York because I, I have family here, I love this yeah. town, yeah. but when I left in 2007, no one wanted to stay here. No one my age in the early 20s was interested in staying here, I felt like nothing was coming back. And one of the things I used to talk about with Kevin all the time is we would drive down from Varick Street to our house, and we'd have to pass Columbia and Lafayette, and we would say, God, this is the worst stretch of this city in terms of what's here and what's happening. My concern with Pete, and I'm not, I'm not against the idea that, I, I've seen arguments that say, oh, the downtown hospital is not going to uh, generate business and that. My concern is that if they don't, what would go in there? Like, how could we fix well, that? I, I know what they're going to put in there. Mm. Oh. Another... Uh, Casino. Oh, uh, yeah. I am not in, uh, in favor of that either. Mm -hmm. I live out yeah. by the original one, and uh, <clears throat> I just don't see it. I, I, I see that no, becoming a that problem either. and uh, more social service costs mm -hmm. to an area that doesn't need that. My only concern was it felt like a lot of the arguments were, well, if you, you, know, if you put the hospital at this other location, businesses will come in and take over these old historic buildings, but it's been 30 years and no one's come to take these buildings. And that's what concerns me is if, if yeah. we don't put something large scale there, I don't see realistically a scenario where a bunch of people are just going to invest in buildings that are generally need total infrastructure renewal, like a lot of money to revamp Well, I'm not against yet. spending 10, 15, 20 yeah. million dollars downtown. To, sure. And they're doing that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not asking them to stop that part of it. I just don't mm -hmm. think we need to start a hospital that's going to mm -hmm. already been increased from the original estimate by that's almost an, yeah. $90 million. Mm -hmm. And that's before you talk about the garage. Yeah. Now, Mr. Pasanti didn't put any money in the garage this year in his budget. <clears throat> now, that budget, 60% is going to be paid for by county taxes. 40% mm -hmm. is going to be paid by the city. But if you live in the city, you're paying 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, I just don't see the cost again being sure. able to do it. They're estimating now sixty million. They haven't uh, appraised the fact that the cost of steel and in concrete have mm -hmm. gone up dramatically since sure. the original. Yeah. 
I was just going to ask. I want, it seems like this This is pretty common when people come in, like, we're going to build it for this much. And almost every time I hear this story, not just in Utica, but almost right. everywhere, those numbers are under budget. I always wonder why. <laughs> it always seems like such an odd thing. And you know, probably the, so they don't scare off the dead. <laughs> uh, you know, the construction guys, yeah, exactly. they, they, it drives up. Um, I want to come back to something real quick that I was just saying to you, and it sort of ties into something I saw on your website. I, you know, again, I graduated Proctor High School in 2004. Mm-hmm. By 2007, I couldn't have left the city faster. I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up, I'm born in 1986, so I was around in the early 90s when the you still see the remnants of the last one out of Utica turn off the lights, bumper stickers, and people just wanting mm-hmm. to leave. You have said that one of your important issues is to discuss the future of children in that county uh, and to... Find a way for opportunities for people to stay in New York State. You said you didn't like that we invest so much in education for this county only for people to leave and look for oh. a better life somewhere else. So what's something you would like to see to sort of help make the well, youth want to stay here? The first thing I want to do, mm. and the most important thing, is turn around farming. Mm. It's very important. There's jobs to be had. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk in our vote, Hennessy.com, which I'm going to mention as much as I can. Oh, sure, of course. Absolutely. Uh, is uh, growing hemp. Mm. Yeah, hemp, I saw that in your website. Yeah. Hemp is a, pro- a viable product. It's legal. Uh, people get nervous when you say hemp because of other things. We've well, been trained to feel that way. Yes. Over, yeah. But <laughs> there's no, no issue with it. Mm. Um, and my point is. We think farmers can become hemp growers to mm. a certain degree. Another alternative product. We talk about uh, oh other issues in in that that will provide additional income to um, mm. to Oneida County. Now, that's farming. Now these products on hemp, sure. for example, clothing, um, rope. There's a, like yeah, paper, thirty yeah. products that yeah. they make. Hopefully, one or two of them will be actually made here. Mm. And that'll produce more jobs. I think hemp could produce more than the 600 jobs at Coors, and a lot sooner. That's an important thing. You know, this core thing, everybody got all excited, and they, this is the turning point, and this is it. I've heard that before. Yeah. You have, too. Oh, yeah. So I question some of the things, and people get a little nervous. Well, that's what a county executive really needs to do. Um, and core, the jobs are not come. The six hundred jobs, it takes eight years to develop, according right. to governor. Yeah. Eight years. I got a lot of people that are not going to be waiting around for eight more years. They've been here eight years prior waiting. And um, I think we need to get some basic industry back in mm-hmm. here. And I think hemp could be one of those. And it's really interesting too because I think with the hemp thing, and uh, people really don't understand, especially a certain demographic of of up here, does not understand. The business side of this, like I remember, it was a couple. Maybe it was last year, sometime there was a discussion about a medical marijuana facility here that wouldn't sell anything but produce medical marijuana right. for other places. And, we, and every comment on the Facebook page is like, "I don't want people pushing dope in my town." I'm like, I don't think you understand what's going on here. And I think when you say hemp, sometimes that scares people who don't understand actually what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and that's a big concern I think with a lot of voters right. here too. I'm conservative on that issue, but yeah. I believe on hemp. Yes, yeah. you know, I, I I've never. Taking any marijuana or any drugs mm. that weren't prescribed. Sure. I, I'm not somebody that has those activities mm-hmm. in my life, but they do have clearly an advantage here, mm-hmm. and we can provide jobs sure. within a short time. Um, let's move on to something I want to ask you quickly. Uh, so you said end of chestnuts. Oh, chestnuts. Chestnuts. Oh, I love it. <laughs> chestnuts. <laughs> That's another product. Mm-hmm. 
Really? Uh, there's been a study saying basically the farmer takes 10 acres of his farm mm. and, and grows chestnuts. Now, it's going to take five to six years for them to uh, be at a point where they can be harvested. But uh, the farmer does 10 acres, he will start making, uh, in about the fifth year, $170,000 in the pricing of uh, chestnuts and, mm. and the cost. Um, so there's another one. You know, yeah, it's five years away, but it's it's mm. no longer, no further out than the eight years that uh, the crease coming here in full-born uh, numbers will be there. Yeah, so I've my point is chestnuts will help the, the uh, farmers and it will help the local uh, communities in distribution and in trucking and all that. Yeah, I have to say, we on the show we have not even broached the pre the Cree conversation mm-hmm. as of yet on the normal podcast. We tend to talk about a lot of this stuff. And the the last when the nano announcement happened that didn't happen earlier was it two years ago a year ago I don't remember I, I about lose, three about three, I lose my train of thought after I've been, I've been doing this every week for two hundred and twenty six episodes. Um, I don't. I'm number I, one. 226. Boy, I should have been the first guy you talked to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think that what happens is when these announcements come out, when people hear these announcements, Utica and the surrounding areas have been so desperate. I always go back to when the GE plant closed. Yeah. They've been so desperate for something new, yeah. something to come in and sort of right. fill that void. And it feels like every time over the last 20 years, when it seems like it's going to happen, the rug gets pulled out from under us a little bit. And the other thing in, in uh, my campaign group would probably yeah. not want me to go here, but um, and, but I really firmly believe I've called a couple yeah. past deals that didn't work out. Sure. In fact, I ran against Ralph Yenis mm. some 14 yeah, yeah. years ago, oh. and uh, longer than that, 20 years ago. Mm. And uh, there was uh, this company, Mobile Climate Control, that mm. came in. Oh, they're going to save us and this <laughs> and that. The greatest... <laughs> It was a air conditioning type company that still was going to try to sell to the military. Right. Uh, their international met uh, that they had three guys in Sweden trying to sell their products. Sure. When I told them you were an international <laughs> company, they all laughed at me. Um, and you lo- then you look at the numbers and you know this isn't the company is not much. It's not going to save Oneida mm-hmm. County. So, but I let that slide four years ago. I let. I mean, whenever that happened, sure. I didn't bring it up against my opponent. I didn't deal with it and people to this day say you should have dealt with it well this time around i'm dealing with it in an honest way uh, you know I, i'm getting an s&p report i'll have for the debates and mm-hmm. we'll show how good of a company this is uh Cree is i've sold Cree as a stockbroker recommended it 15 16 years ago i haven't done it in my estate sure why because they're in the si- silicone carbide mm-hmm. business sure that is one of the older styles. Oh, interesting. Hmm. What you're really going to be looking for, the next wave of technology, because I think we should be ahead of the curve, not behind. I feel we're behind in the carpide um, industry, um, is uh, uh, quantum computing. Mm -hmm. That is the next wave. It's 100,000 times faster in getting Mm -hmm. you the information. And that will draw people to that type of equipment. The only chip that they might need is a silicon chip, the plain silicon sure. chip. They won't even probably need that. Mm-hmm. But they certainly are not, uh, the way they're going to be doing it, not going to favor uh, Cree. And for Cree's benefit, they haven't said it does. They're saying it, it's going after electric cars. Well, there's other companies doing it yeah. too. They're 21st in the industry. Mm. 
One, one ranking 23rd in others. So let's say they average 22nd in their industry. Sure. And that's that tells me that, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I meant to bring that report to you or print it out today. That's interesting. Though. I didn't. Yeah. Go, go to a financial uh, place and uh, pull up uh, free symbol cool. C-R-E-E. Uh, I want to ask you just, uh, you're talking, mentioned about the debates. Uh, that's going to be the end of October, you guys doing it? Do you know the- 23rd. October 23rd. And where are you guys? Oh, hoping? wait, we're having 22nd out. Uh, yeah, 22nd out at uh, uh, the Manicor. Mm-hmm. And Manicor, yep. 23rd is the breakfast one out at um, Rome, um, uh, Delta Lake Inn in Rome. Oh. It's an 8, uh, 730 mm-hmm. breakfast. And I just have to ask, because uh, I'm always so curious. I talked about this with uh, Congressman Dissey last time he was here when he was running against Claudia Tinney. And I said, you know... When you run these local elections, it's generally against somebody you've probably worked with in the past, whether you're on opposite sides or close sides. Did you and Presenti have a personal relationship at all before we had, this? Or? We had a personal relationship as far as legislator. Um, mm-hmm. He was county executive. Mm-hmm. And then after his first, uh, he got in after one year, he got point, appointed. Sure. And then the following year, I became the minority leader on mm-hmm. the Democratic side. And I couldn't deal with him. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. And really? this next Democrat uh uh, minority leader. Well, she dealt with him for a year, and she came sick. But the third, the person behind her, couldn't uh, deal with him. And uh, I, I find him to be very um, opinionated, and it's his opinion, or it's uh, time for me to hit the trail. Uh, but you know, we 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 shouldn't have a dictator. He's been in thirteen years. Um, that was one of the reasons I decided to run. Thirteen years is long enough for anybody to be in government. We're not. We don't have a monarchy type mm-hmm. style of government. We don't have, um, you know, we're not supposed to have dictators mm-hmm. either. So I decided to run. He gave me trouble from the moment I announced mm-hmm. and uh, cost me money. But uh, we're at the end. I feel good. We're today we put 17 signs all on people's lawns. Uh, I have uh, one question just because you sort of leaned into it, actually. I kind of want to ask you. Uh, on your website, you actually have a whole section about term limits, about how you yeah. would... You would I've always turned myself out as a county legislator. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a tough race the third time um, because I didn't really sure. uh, run that hard. I was helping others. Right. Um, and we lost that year because the year I became minority leader, we got down to less than two legislator difference in mm-hmm. voting. We, we got accomplished a lot that year because we had a true bipartisan government. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after the in, the in the third term it was obvious that he's you know going to control everything yeah. and, and not mm-hmm. care about our ideas or share thoughts so uh, another guy like i said was the minority leader and he took it on the oh it was uh, frank teller you know uh mike i want to get to the lightning round questions uh but before i do i'll just i'll leave it here um so let's say on november 5th um uh, you win the election mm-hmm what, something what do you mean we think? You well, I'm, I'm just, I'm theoretic. I'm putting it out. If you, what's something you'd like to do day one if you, if you get it? Day one. Day one. Day one, I'm going to be replaced. I'm going to notify a number of people that I've known through the last 10 years that are in county government that it's time for them to retire. And I'm going to not uh, appoint them or, or have them on uh, county government. Uh, I think it's fair to them to get uh, early notice. I'll do that before, actually. I do that in December. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, number two, I want to meet with all the employees, 1,600 employees. I've probably met with 60 to 80 of them already, this, sure. and they're not very happy at the county government. Mm -hmm. So I want to find out exactly what their concerns is. Mm -hmm. I know it's somewhat budgetary, sure. um, and so we're going to have to try to make uh, their working environment better uh, in Oneida County. And of course, folks, we are talking to Mike Hennessy, the United County Executive Candidate uh, on the Democratic side. Uh, Mike, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us today. Before I let you go, do you have a quick uh, moment to do some lightning round questions Let's with us? Let's do it. Wonderful. Uh, Mike, these are the same six or so questions that we ask everybody who's been on the All podcast right. since they've been on. Uh, Mike, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? I take it with sugar and cream. Sugar and cream. So we've had this big debate over the years. A lot of people who come on are only black coffee drinkers. And I am a cream and sugar guy, but I've attempted over the years to get to just black, and I can't do it. Have you ever made that attempt, or have you always I, just been No, <laughs> I, I've made the attempt. Sometimes it goes in our office that we didn't have cream. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I, I'll drink it black, but uh, I yeah. prefer cream and sugar. Mike, uh, what was your first automobile? Ford Mustang. You had a Ford Mustang? Yeah. Oh, man. Do you mind telling me what year? Or is that too... Uh, I don't want to oh, date you. <laughs> 40 years ago. <laughs> um, it got crunched on oh. the George Washington Bridge at the oh. time my wife and I were living in the uh, uh, New Jersey Palisades. Oh, nice. And you could look across uh, yeah, the yeah. window and see the city. But... Uh, so I got on the George Washington Bridge, and they, all these lanes merge into, like, six. Mm -hmm. And I was thought I was ahead. The truck thought he had the headway, mm -hmm. and uh, crunched. I got in a nasty accident actually down last year. Somebody took a left onto. Uh, well, I can't. I'll, I'll tell you, it's not important. But regardless, it's a crummy situation. Uh, so you may or may not have taken your Ford Mustang to see it, if that's the case. But what was your first live music event? Live Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. In really, Tron Springsteen. Toronto, uh, Toronto, Canada. Would you say Springsteen's like up your upper echelon of artists? You still, yeah, him and uh, you too. Oh, Phil, nice. Phil Collins. Um, <laughs> yes, that's the softer side. We were just debating at a wedding about whether we liked the Genesis music or the Phil Collins solo music. We were having, that, and then someone just said, "No, Peter Gabriel solo music. I don't want to hear anything else." <laughs> I, I'm a big Bruce Spring. I've yeah. seen him, at, you know, Vernon Downs. Oh, wow. I've been to at least seven, eight concerts. Uh, if you could have dinner. With any person, living or dead, who is not your relative, who would it be and why? Well, that'd be a close one. Um, Jesus Christ would mm -hmm. be somebody that sure. I would hopefully be able to meet. Mm -hmm. um, but um, Robert Kennedy would be a yeah. close second. Mm -hmm. And I really believe he had the proper passion sure. that a leader needs. Somebody that really cares about somebody... Um, you know, he you know, he came to upstate New York while well, he was the U.S. Senator from New York, mm -hmm. but he came along at Lake Ontario and met with all those migrant workers mm -hmm. at the, uh, oh, the grapevine vineyards and yeah, yeah. things like that. So this man showed a complete, uh, in my opinion, had a complete change after his brother died. And I, I liked the second half, of, well, it was only a few years, but the second half of his political yeah. career. Uh, give me, this is a tougher one, I suppose, too. Give me one book album, movie, or television show that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching? Movies. Uh, I, I go out about five times a year to see a movie oh, yeah. with <laughs> yeah. my wife. Yeah. Um, sometimes I fall asleep, I'll be honest. <laughs> I've noticed I'm in my early 30s I'm getting to that point too, especially yeah. now that they change the theaters and the seats are more comfortable yeah. now, and now they're asking me to fall asleep. <laughs> trying to remember the name of the movie I really liked. It was um, a remake. Um, 
Streisand remake. Oh, The Star is Born. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard it was great, though. It was a very nice movie. We have a yellow lab. Their dog was, I don't think, a yellow lab, but if you saw the movie and the scene where the dog's all by himself and the owner's yeah, yeah. committed suicide, mm-hmm. it just, I just bought my dog. Yeah, it's and tough. It was tough. It, you know, I fall in love with my dog. My wife uh, hasn't yet. <laughs> it's a 120 pound lab. Oh, yeah. They're huge. <laughs> we <laughs> overfed them. I agree, but. Uh, uh, Mike, uh, before I let you go, besides uh, politics, uh, besides um, everything we've talked about so far today, give me one more thing that you are passionate about that people might not expect. Passionate. Um, I'm passionate with my family mm. as far as making sure that everybody's uh, doing all right, heading in the right direction. And Wonderful. I'll never forget the time. I'm going to tell the story sure, please, at my daughter's expense. I, I'd <laughs> I gone to bed. It was like 11 o'clock. Mm. Lights came on, and there room. And my wife was kind of looking for something. I go, what are you looking for? She goes, a pair of shoes. I go, why? Well, Carol's. I won't tell his name, but Carol's boyfriend. Uh, he needs a pair of shoes to get into this place. Oh. I go, what place? Cavallos. I go. <laughs> I go. So she leaves and brings the shoes down. I'm going Cavallos. You don't need shoes to go. That's <laughs> weird. So. I'm thinking, I go, oh my gosh, they're going to the dance floor of that uh, up at uh, Turning Stone. Oh, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> since she lied about it, it really irritated me. Oh, yeah. So, so I got up, got dressed, got in my car, called her on her cell phone. I said, uh, 10 minutes to be out by the front door of lava <laughs> and uh, took her home. Not because I'm against her going there, but she lied about it because she thought I wouldn't let her go because I had taken a strong stand on the nation uh, at the time and uh, so uh, that's uh, her father you know it's funny actually working in education um, you know I, my parents were divorced growing up so I was with my mom a lot my mom was a beautiful nurturer she took care of everybody yeah. and always did and I've noticed that I took that mentality to, to high school with me working with these kids yeah. and over the last few years I've sort of come around on the idea that I need to be less mom like and more dad like because it does seem like we especially this younger generation there is a certain craving for structure, I think. There's a certain need, whether or not we know it or not, like there's a certain lack of structure with this younger generation that I see that I feel like, I don't mean to be hard on the kids, but you want them to understand responsibility and standing by what they say and what they mean. And those are hard lessons to learn without someone breaking them down on you. So, uh, Mike, I want to thank you so much for taking some time you. today. No, it I went appreciate very it. fast. Oh, it, it does go quick, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, and again, November 5th, uh, you can go to vote. Tennessee.com to learn more about Mike. And again, I really appreciate you coming by today. Good luck. Thank you. Folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Uh, Mike Hennessy. Uh, again, check out votehennessy.com to uh, see 
what he's all about and what his views are. Again, I actually thought his website did a pretty good job of making it very uh, straightforward to find all his takes on stuff, which I appreciated. Yeah, it's always nice when yeah. somebody's got like something easily digestible so you don't have yeah. to do too much digging. You can get right to the facts. Mm. Uh, just a you and me history lesson this week. So this oh, is yeah. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> uh, especially now. Wait till we get to one of them oh. later. We're going to be you're gonna be frustrated. I'm frustrated, too. I see. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't uh, want to talk about it. Uh, uh, on this day, 1879, Thomas Edison perfects the carbonized cotton filament light bulb. Uh, the principle of electric incandescent lighting has actually been around since 1802. So it's been around for 75 years before that. Um, mm-hmm. There was a gentleman named Humphrey Davy. Uh, who demonstrated it, he used what was a, uh, a platinum filament inside of a glass bulb. This is an idea that Edison was aware of, but decided that it was not cost-effective. Uh-huh. So that's what took the, the distance in time. Right. Uh, Edison, after investiga- investigating many materials, settled on carbon filament in 1879. Uh, again, he was not the only person working on this. There's another guy named Joseph Swan, who you can read about, who was also working with basically the same idea. Again, much like all these inventions, what... Edison's work was unique with was that he carried the idea from laboratory to commercialization, mm-hmm. which is really the key that set sort of Edison apart. Mm-hmm. I know Edison gets a lot of takes about people hating on Edison, and he sure. was an asshole, it seems like. Well, I think it's, it's a little bit of an overcorrection, because like when yeah. you're raised, you're like, Edison single-handedly brought mm-hmm. us into the light. Because like it's tough to make elementary yeah. school kids digest stuff. But as you get older, <laughs> you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first successful test of the bulb lasted, it was on October 22nd, 1879, which lasted for 13.5 hours, which seems like a short amount of time, but back then must have been a huge deal. Yeah. 13.5 hours. How many bulbs would we go through now if that was the case? Oh, my God. Tons. Just billions. <laughs> We'd be sitting on a landfill of broken filaments. <laughs> um, Edison, How many lights are on right now? There's like 15 uh, lights. Oh, my God. So many. And we run low lights here. We do. Uh, Edison made the first public demonstration of his uh, incandescent bulb on December 31st, 1879 in Menlo Park. I like this quote from him, actually. He's a great marketer. Uh, we will make electricity so cheap that only the rich will burn candles. Mm. Strong quote. Whether or not he meant Not bad, Mr. Edison. <laughs> uh, you know, I still, I'm, I'll still always ride on the Tesla side of the Tesla-Edison argument. Oh, te- yeah, because Tesla's, of course. <laughs> Tesla's way cooler. <laughs> Tesla's got all the vibes. He's, like, dark and kind of scary and Rooting. mysterious. David Bowie played on that yep. one movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's, that's, mm-hmm. of course, that's the much hipper take. It's also the best Drunk History episode where um, where John C. Riley plays Tesla and, um, what's the guy, I can't think of his name, Crispin Glover plays Edison. Oh, nice. And it's hilarious. I'm trying to make electricity and you're being an asshole. It's <laughs> a great quote. Uh, all right, so let's move on. Uh, on this day... 1959, the Guggenheim Museum in New York City, mm. designed by legendary architect Frank Lloyd Wright, opens in New York City. Located on 1071 Fifth Avenue in the Upper East Side, it is the permanent home of an expanding collection of Impressionist, Post-Impressionist, Early Modern, and Contemporary Art, and also features special exhibits throughout the year. Uh-huh. The museum was initially referred to, with great title, as the Museum of Non-Objective Painting. What a great, <laughs> what a great name. Okay. Uh, it adapted its current name after the death of its founder Solomon R. Guggenheim in 1952. Um, it is a landmark of 20th century architecture. You know what the Guggenheim looks like before I get into this? I bet if you showed me a picture of it, I'd be like, "Oh, that's the Guggenheim." I um, probably, you know what I mean? It's basically a spiral. Uh, and it looks like a spiral where the bottom is shorter than the top. It's an expanding spiral going up. Oh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah. I bet you I could probably pull it up on yeah. my phone while we're talking about it. But um, I'll just say while I've been here, when I was living in New York, take a shot, um, 
it was probably and is still my favorite museum in New York. Mm. I like an art museum. I like their stuff. It's really cool. I'll show you the building right now. There it is. Do you see it? Oh, yeah. I've seen yeah, that. Spiral yeah. building. It's really, really cool. You can just type in Guggenheim on Google and see it. Mm -hmm. um, the landmark building was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, one of the most famous architects in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, even before it opened, though, the design was polarizing because some people thought the building itself and the way it was designed with this big one singular spiral that you walk all the way up to the top. That's right. the way it works. Sure. Uh, they thought it was too distracting. Like, this is a museum for art, and the building itself is taking away Should from... Should the building itself not be art? Well, that's kind of the argument that came into place. The building and the paintings are sort of interrupted symphony of art, right? Displaying art inside of a work of art. Imagine right? having the extra time and energy to get gassed up about something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like... Great museum if you're ever in New York to go. Um, it's grown organically over eight decades, um, and nearly 1.2 million people visited the museum in 2013, which is the last records I could find. Uh, all I could think of while I was there, uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to a college in New York that I'd never heard of called Wells College. Are you familiar with this college? Uh, name only. Name only? Yeah. I, I didn't know anything about it when I walked sure. in there. They have a library there called the Long Library, which is also worth a look up on Google. Uh, and what's interesting about the Long Library is it's one of the only buildings in America that has no 90-degree angles. The building is meant... Oh, uh, I see. Yeah. It's meant... The idea there's some like some um, yeah. like quote about like uh, it lets creativity stop right <laughs> right right there's something like that sure but being inside the building it is amazing to look at it's a great it's a great design oh I can imagine and I got thinking do you have any buildings that you've ever thought of that you walked in and you're like this is a dope building oh tons <laughs> oh dude I, I love I love buildings and like architecture yeah. and the whole mm -hmm. when I remember when I was a kid we used to drive around with my dad a lot like on the weekends going to visit grandparents doing errands whatever you're doing. And my dad um, had always had an interest in architecture. It was something he had, yeah. like, thought about doing, but, like, he didn't pursue that as a path. And, you know, but he always kept an interest, and he would point out stuff to us. And so he gave me an appreciation between that and, you know, I come from a family of builders and masons, you know, my grandparents and uncles and everything. Uh, from a young age, I had an appreciation of, like, buildings and crazy designs. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like almost every building I walk into, I'll say most recently, uh, we played a show, played a wedding at the Otisaga Hotel in Cooperstown. Yeah. Two weeks ago. And this happens to me all the time because I appreciate, uh, you know, any kind of building I walk into, you find something to like. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever been to the Otisaga Hotel in Cooperstown. Mm -hmm. It's been there no, since sir. 1909. It's right mm -hmm. on the lake. Uh, it feels like if you, it's a 50-50 mix between Gatsby and the Overlook Hotel and The Shining. <laughs> and you just walk in there and you're looking around and I'm looking up and I'm stunned and it's crazy because the kid that's in my band, uh, the kid who plays keyboards, Jeff Dingman, he is also an architect by trade mm. during the day. So I'm walking around and bugging him. I'm like, oh, tell me about this. Spot this. Right here? What is this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It, there's so many pictures. It's such Woo. a big place. But uh, that, that was the last time I really was one, like walking around in wonder at the design of a building. I know it's very basic, but uh, have you ever been in Grand Central Station? Oh, yeah. That's one that even, like, though I've been to New York many times. I was just station. looking at a picture of that in an article uh, a couple yeah, days ago, and they were great. saying, they were talking about how it's a bummer, because have you ever seen the old historic pictures yeah. of the station with the light beaming down yep. and, like, those light mm -hmm. beams onto the floor, and it doesn't do that anymore because now the buildings around it are too tall. Yep. Yeah. So the light doesn't come in. Air so rest. when you see those classic pictures from, like, the 1920s or whatever, it you know, that's gone. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Uh, 1996. It's kind of a downer. Mm. Uh... I'm going to set the stage for you for this one. Uh, on this day, 1996, the Guatemalan national soccer team is in Guatemala City on a Wednesday night to play Costa Rica. Uh, mm. 60,000 fans came to the stadium. Mm. The capacity of the stadium was 45,000 fans, so that's 15,000 extra fans. Uh, counterfeiters had sold thousands of fake tickets to the event. 
Uh, although the stadium had already fit uh, full in capacity for about an hour before the match, uh, fans continued to push their way into the venue through a narrow passage. Those at front had nowhere to go. People began to get crushed and suffocated. Fights broke out, uh, which ended in a panic stampede. Uh, the Guatemalan president, uh, Alvara Arzu, I think I said that right, witnessed the chaos from his box and called off the match. Uh, it was too late, however, for 83 people who died in the stampede. Mm. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, as a guy who loves soccer, and I, you know, for anyone who is interested in soccer, there's some really excellent books you should read, Amongst the Thugs by uh, Bill Burnwell. Not Bill Burnwell, I got that name wrong. I'll find that out later. But uh, Amongst the Thugs. Bill Buford. Bill Buford, there it is. Mm. Um, and there's a ton of stuff about Liverpool and the Hillsborough disaster, which we'll get into in a minute. Mm. This is a very common thing during the era of hooligan soccer of that 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, the most famous of which is the Hillsborough disaster, which I've probably made you watch the documentary. Oh, yeah, we definitely yeah. watched that documentary. Uh, 97, 96 fatalities and 766 people injured. Um, just really, you know, I've been to so many sporting events in my life. Uh-huh. And, you know, I've been in rowdy crowds and crazy crowds, right. Yankee games, Bills games particularly, get pretty fucking rowdy, pardon my French. I've never felt scared for my life in no. any particular way. Not like that. Not like real physical, like structural overcrowding and too many people. Like, it just seems mm. like such an oversight at the time, right? Yeah, it's, I think it's it's a great example of the notion that, like, I remember an old thing, somebody used to say it's an old, like, old, you know, saying that gets trotted out, like, for every dumb rule you see, there's some yeah. dude who made that rule exist. Mm-hmm. And I think that expands out. Like, it was one of those things where, like, it seems so obvious in hindsight, but, like, you don't know until you know. Yeah. I think it's what happened. I've definitely, I've had a couple experiences in colossal crowds of people yep. where I have felt very, one time, I went down during a rowdy show. I got knocked down and, like, where the whole crowd was moving and I couldn't get my feet. You know that happens sometimes in a crowd? Was that uh, Omegang? Yes, yep. at Omega, and I, I got that. knocked down on my back, onto yeah. my back in a crowd with the crowd shifting above yeah. me, and I had a very real moment where I was like, this is how people get killed. Mm-hmm. This is it right here. Mm-hmm. This is the exact moment, and like people are careening like over me while yeah. I'm flat on my back in this crowd, and luckily, you know, I've got enough like size and strength where I can kind of reassert my presence physically mm-hmm. if I need to in a crowd like that. Like I wasn't shy yeah. about like, I right, know I'm coming up and I'm tossing you if I've got to. Uh, but I really, I think back about that man, and like I was, I was swept off my feet and knocked on the ground. I couldn't imagine how dangerous that would be. You know, I go to concerts. There's people of all shapes and sizes. You know what I mean? All shapes and sizes, and like different people. Yeah. If they had been knocked in that same situation, I don't know if they would have been able to uh, reassert themselves in the situation as successfully. It was scary. The, the closest. It was an, scary. The closest analogy. I remember watching that actually. By the way, I was in that yeah. crowd with you. Uh, I remember. In New York, the closest thing I can think of to that would like being on a crowded train mm. that gets stuck in between tunnels. That makes sense. Which is a really dark Yeah, time. <laughs> I could see that being tough. Because when you stop a New York City subway train, mm. when, when you come to a stop and the train stops from it, all the power goes off. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. Air conditioning goes off. Under go off, friggin' ground. Underground. Underwater, maybe. Surrounded by strangers. Underwater and It's not... You do have to think about like what you're like taking care of yourself like i got my stuff on me you know what i mean like i don't know how long we're you gonna gotta be make here. a move yeah i just don't know how long you, you don't know how long it's you're gonna be down there right i i'll yeah. tell you another um i didn't feel as in danger in this crowd but again it was a concert i feel like concerts at the time i'm really yeah. smashed in with mm-hmm. people but the most dangerous thing i ever saw i was at a show they had to stop it a couple times and i wasn't up towards the front of the crowd i saw uh, rage against the machine in chicago 
and we were in Grant Park. It was a Lollapalooza, mm-hmm. and so there's like seventy thousand people out there. And after the band that played, it was Lupe Fiasco played before yep. them, and Rage Against the Machine doesn't play out a lot. Hell like yeah, they Rage. hadn't played in years and that years and years, and their the crowd was so hot. Every Ooh. band on the stage at this festival before them almost got booed off the stage because <laughs> it was just Rage. People were like, "Your music is dumb. We want Rage, Rage. the whole day." And Rage wasn't playing until eight o'clock, um, but they started playing it. And as soon as the band before them was done, the whole crowd pushed. And I was with the girl I was dating at the time, who was you know five five, hundred and twenty pounds mm-hmm. maybe or something, wearing flip flops, like true. you know maybe maybe Converse, but like, still we're up there and it pushes. I had to like literally pull her out, and that was before they played. The crowd was so wild for them; they stopped mid-song, like three or four times. Like you guys have to push back, or somebody's gonna die. Like yeah. this is too wild. Great friend of the pod, Aaron Velarde, mm-hmm. went down in the pit. He sprained Angle. his ankle so bad that it turned black. But Rage he stayed in the back. Well, Rage Against the Machine is his favorite band, so the security guards are trying to pull him away, and he's like, "Wait, wait until this song's over, please." <laughs> and he was in the um, medical tent. And then we had to walk back to the train station. You know, I never thought about. It. I'm I'm five. 10 on my license you could question five ten. i'm not a tall guy nope but i can't imagine what it would be like to be like five three five four in a crowd like that <sighs> it'd be yeah. some girl i mean you know you know, you know. Yeah. i know i know what you mean like men get a, men don't get bothered as much in general uh, well 100 percent. Right? So, i mean also just i mean by averages a lot yeah, of averages yeah. in size that are smaller you know what i mean we've got friends that are girls that are five foot one yeah you no know what i mean you. You get tossed and stuff. If it can sweep somebody like me off my feet, that's why now, like, I'm always conscious when I'm in a large crowd and everything's happening. Realize that it can, you know, things can go off and you want to make sure that you're, like, safe and careful and not getting crushed because it happens. Now we have rules for this kind of thing. Um, One last thing. I was trying to figure out if there was an American sport that has any sort of disaster type things that have happened like this. The only thing I could think of is, like, in, I've seen, like, videos of, like, NASCARs, like, Throw into the crowd like tires and stuff. Did we get that hurt? kind of thing? Yeah, it's all I could think of in terms of an American. No, we rage in the streets afterwards. I feel like yeah, We're not even burn so much cars anymore. after. Or you'll see. Wasn't yeah. there? There was like an earthquake during a yeah. World Series game. Maybe? There's never been like a riot during an American sports no. event that I can think of no. though. Uh-huh. It's just yeah. We don't. We don't. I'm keep, surprised. We don't keep about sports like that. We do though. Not really. Not that. Uh, not not that way. I'm surprised there hasn't been some crazy college football riot. I'll put it that way. Like some Texas-Oklahoma rivalry game. Everybody's so drunk. Everyone's so drunk. Like people are just tired. It's middle. You would think uh, drunk, like, oh, they're going to act wild and riot. Like people are just no. tired. They're hanging out. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess you are surprised. We just, there's, I don't know. Sports in America are not as singular as soccer is other no. places. Like if you live mm-hmm. in, you know, you live in these different places, soccer is the sport. Yeah. It's not a sport. It's the sport. Mm-hmm. So you've got so many more people out there because it's not like in America. You're like, oh, I'm going to watch the NBA. Well, I like the NFL. I like yeah. baseball. I like this. That means just we all like soccer, and we're all coming this weekend to the game. Uh, so let's just let's just move. We'll do this one. We'll oh, think about no. it for a second. On this day, 1998, New York Yankees beat the San Diego Padres 3-0 in Game 4 of the World Series at Qualcomm Stadium to sweep the Padres and win their second World Series in two years. Mm-hmm. Do you remember who the, the MVP of that series was, 98? 98? 98. Mm-hmm. I forgot, actually, until I looked at the name. Scott Brocious? Scott Brocious. Good yeah, pick. Yeah, yeah Scott Brocious. Uh, I mean, we don't have to talk about the details. Yankees lost over the weekend in they heartbreaking did. fashion. They did. It was tough, right? And I kept saying all night, because I was the end of my birthday when we were playing the show. Yeah. I'm monitoring the game like they can't lose on my birthday, man. They can't lose on my birthday. Lo and behold, it's like six minutes after midnight. Yeah. Altuve hits a walk-off. I'm like, well, I guess it's 
Not my birthday, so I get what I asked for here. Shout out to GFOP's Rick and Becky for their Halloween party, which we were watching the game at mm-hmm. for a bit. Had a great time at the party. Uh, I had to work the next day, so I came home pretty early and watched the remainder of the game by myself. Yeah. Shout out to uh, GFOP uh, DJ LeMahieu as well. Oof. You know, at least somebody's keeping the lights on. I'll, I'll say two things here. One, I really thought this was the one. I thought this was the team. Boy, it felt I, like it. It felt. I love this team, and I still love this team. And I think it's a damn shame that Domingo Herman had to go do some dumb shit. For and sure. And I wish that the Yankees had made the move to get Garrett Cole in the offseason and packaged and do hard, whoever it was going to be. Ah, uh, they wanted Gleyber as well. Gleyber. Yeah. Yeah, see? See? Maybe we'll just pay him $300 million in the offseason. Pay him all the hundreds. The Yankees um, have so much money. Uh, but I really was down about this one. Uh, but I want to say this. I've seen a lot of... Red Sox fans out here. Oh, please. Um, running their mouths. They're just licking their wounds. It's tough. It was and, tough here for you kids. And I know that they've won, been more successful mm-hmm. than us this decade. Feels like the rivalry is waking up a little bit, which is nice. Where everybody started both nah. teams. They have like young teams and young players. I like when I it. see these Red Sox fans being like, we've done so much better than you. We feel sorry for you. All I can think to myself is, we don't think about you at all because Yankee fans, <laughs> because Yankee fans don't, we don't live vicariously through Red Sox defeats. We live through twenty-four World Championships, twenty-seven World Championships. I don't know, whatever whatever it is. I get some enjoyment out of watching the Red Sox take. Defeat. Nah, nah, I've gotten away from that. I'll okay, tell you why. Oh, I see. I've gotten away. Very sanctimonious. No, no, no. Because here's the thing: I don't need to define the success of the New York Yankees based on a suddenly resurgent team who hasn't been good in 120 years. I, I don't I, <laughs> like. I'm sorry. Like I don't. I like how you started with we're not really going to talk about this. I'm not going to say anything. And within two and a half minutes of devolved to yeah. full on. So Mike and the Mad Dog call in. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Uh, so there you go. Just So you're mad. I'm a little mad. I thought this was the team. Uh, it did seem like it was interesting to see at the end that it came down to um, after all year coming back from all these different injuries, there's really a few guys that were just kind of missing and yeah. things just didn't really shake out. Um you can't be mad about the season because I got I got more enjoyment of watching yeah. this season of the Yankees and following the Yankees than I have in quite a few years. So I'm not mad that since April I've been enjoying myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's really disappointing because it, it was did too. felt like you were going to do uh, something different this year. But... You know what? Too after that terrible game four, and I'll leave it at this. I was like, well, you know what? The only thing is we can't be worse than this game. And we weren't, actually. The next two, like, we did not play as poorly as we did in game four. I thought it was enough in game six. That's all right. We'll move on. Uh, on this date, 2018, uh, the Halloween reboot starring Jamie Lee Curtis makes a record $77 million. Did you watch that yet? No, it was off. it's on HBO, then we don't have HBO anymore. Oh, I'll see. <laughs> um, Shout us out on Twitter if we can have your HBO login. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those movies which uh, seems to be happening with the Terminator movie that's coming out now that retcons all sequels after the original. Smart. Right? Like, just giving up it on was, everything. By the way, it was excellent. Yeah, I don't know if we yeah. talked about it on the show or if I told you, but the, the Halloween with the one that came out last year was very good. Uh, so I had a couple notes on this. Uh, one that I thought was really interesting: the stuntman who played Michael Myers. There's two of them. One was the original guy Nick Castle, but the other was this guy uh, James Courtney. Yep. Right. So David Green, David Gordon Green, who's the director, explained that his vision for Michael Myers was a mix of Nick Castle's original performance and sort of the efficient cat-like movement of a, like a cat-like movement right cat cat style like, like a cat. so so courtney says he tailored his portrayal on actual observations of his cat he says i think cats are the most perfect hunting machines on the planet the beauty of it is it we don't judge cats for doing what a cat does 
It sort of carried that movement, non-judgmental approach into the way I moved as the shape, which I learned from my cat, Percival. Mm. So there you go. He's a big cat. That's the story. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would like to rewatch that movie again anyway, especially in the spooky mm-hmm. season, but I guess I'll watch for that next time. I didn't notice him being specifically cat-like. But. I like the idea. I like that quote, though. Like, cats, the beauty is we don't judge cats for being cats, right? That's a pretty interesting way to think about being a True. horror movie villain. You know there are two sequels in the books for this right now? I do, yeah. October 16th, 2020 and October 15th, 2021. Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, respectively, are the two titles, which I don't love either one, honestly. Uh, no. No, don't care for either no. one. Seems, uh, seems misguided, but let's, uh, who am I? Let's blast through a couple of things real quick here, because I want to get to the bits from other blogs. Uh... It was confirmed this week that uh, Republican Mitt Romney was behind an anonymous Twitter shadow account under the name... Do you know the name? Yeah. It's amazing. Pierre Delecto. What a name. (laughs) Pierre Delecto. Turns out that was Republican from uh, Utah Mitt Romney's shadow account. All these politician dudes that have gotten busted having (laughs) shadow accounts and aliases have the most ridiculous names. That guy, Anthony Weiner, do you remember what he called himself? No. We t- I remember talking about this. I remember this was back early in the show when Higgins was on the show because I remember screaming about it. Uh, his alias online was Carlos Danger. Carlos Danger. <laughs> Which is... I was thinking about one today. If I had a shadow account, I, I could be John Glenlivet. Like John Glenn, but with this whiskey, mm, the scotch. John Glenlivet. So there you go. Uh, so this, this is another one I saw today. Uh, this is from the Daily Star, so take this for what it is. This is from the UK. Yeah. Uh, this is... Uh, apparently, the legal system is thinking about using AI in all ro- robot courtrooms to judge sentences with no human bias. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the robot judges to judge with no human bias? Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. That's, that's not a good plan. This should have been. Uh, this should have been a. Um, uh, thank you. I hate it. I think. Yeah. This is... Uh, let's move on real quick to the Joker. We talked about the Joker a few weeks ago. Yeah, we did. You see this week that the Joker is about to become, by the time you hear this, the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. Really? Yes, that is correct. Huh. It, yeah, it's, a, it's past Deadpool. You know what? That, I guess that makes sense because kids are going out to see it en masse. Like, the Joker has very yep. much become a thing like with the youth and meme culture and online and mm-hmm. stuff. People are... That marketing plane really worked. Everybody bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. I've heard it's actually only okay. Yeah, I've heard the same. Uh, I'll tell you someone who was really mad about it was Jared Leto. If you guys didn't know, Jared Leto played the Joker in the previous DC. In Suicide Squad. In Suicide Squad and the, uh, I think there's another one he, he like cameoed in him as. But, yeah, probably, um, but all, all that crap. Turns out, Jared Leto was very mad when yeah. he found out that this film was coming out. So much so that he went to his agent and tried to get the movie killed. It's hilarious that Jared Leto thinks he has that kind of juice. It's crazy. <laughs> like, it's crazy that Jared Leto thinks that he can. He has the kind of juice to stop Todd Phillips, who directed Old School, The Hangover. Like, mm-hmm. This guy's done a lot of movies. And Joaquin Phoenix and all that. You don't have that kind of pull, Jared Leto. I mean, he his performance of the Joker was not well received. For the no, it's I didn't probably... see it, so I can't say. And I've liked Jared Leto in movies before. You know, and I tried. Jared Leto's one of those guys. He's like a smaller version, mm. like a Kanye West. Where it's like, man, you know, listen, <laughs> I've been defending you for a long time, but you make it hard sometimes. Like I tried to like him as an actor and in some different things, and even that early Thirty Seconds to Mars, that first album, right. we saw him in Syracuse yeah, accidentally, good. and it was really cool. Was like good. before they were a big band at Lost Horizon. Um, funny story about that. I read an article. This led me to a different article about Jared Leto today. 
about apparently back in the day he found out that actor Elijah Wood did not like his band, Thirty Second to Mars, yeah. and put him in a headlock and like a red carpet somewhere. Like walked up and was like, You don't like my band, bro? And Elijah was like, What? And he like put him in a headlock and was like, You don't like my band? It's like, dude, <laughs> that'll sound chill. I mean, I don't know if Elijah was lying. I don't know. I didn't look at I didn't check the sourcing. Uh, all right. That sounds believable. It's like it's like Tyson's own. <laughs> I believe it about Leto. Uh and uh, just for now, we'll probably talk about this more in a few weeks. The first of the worst costumes that I've heard of the year is out. So sexy white claw was one we've heard earlier this Ooh, year. That's dumb. Are you ready for sexy Popeye's chicken sandwich, which I will show you here on the podcast? <laughs> not sexy at all it's not very sexy it would be sexier if it was just like a pretty lady with an actual chicken sandwich yes that would be fine as opposed to that weird (laughs) chicken midsection that you have uh we uh we've gone pretty long here so let's just um we'll just do two of these here okay uh, two of our bits some other blogs uh first one this is sort of an existential question would you prefer to hang out with a person with people you like but they all hate you so a group of people that you like all of them but they all hate you or a group of people you hate, but that they all like you. Uh, I mean, it, I feel like I wouldn't like if all these people hate me so much. I feel like I wouldn't like them all that much. True, it'd be uh, hard for me. So I mean, yeah, probably the, I would rather suck up my own dislike of people and deal with them to have them be easier to get along with and have them be like, oh, I really like these guys. I wish they were nicer to me. It would That's be, not my it, bag, really. I was hoping Parkinson was going to be here for this because he feels like he'd have a good take on being in a room with people he likes, but they all hate him. It seems like he'd know something People about that. I love him. He's a well-revered. He's about, well, I was thinking, if I knew the room hated me, yeah, and I liked all these people, I would probably have fun with that. Why do I like them so much if they all hate me so much? It's a good question. I don't get it. Uh, and the next question, uh, this one I put in just because I'm this guy. What percentage of the populace follows the conventional oven instructions when they're heating up a frozen meal instead of just putting it in the microwave for three minutes? So this would be for something like a French bread pizza or sure. a, some sort of something from the freezer that you put in the oven. I stand behind the belief that it is anything you can put in the microwave from a freezer is a thousand percent better if you do it in the oven. Even like a hot pocket, even uh chicken pot pie, uh reheated pizza, it's always a thousand percent better. They, I mean, the they've always got oven instructions on there for a reason. That being said, I think that I am on the small end of the spectrum here. What I think you, what most do, you do it and then tell me what you do and then explain yourself. No, no, I mean, I think most people would just put it in the microwave for three minutes. Oh. I think, well, I'm I, think on, I misunderstood the question yeah, yeah. you were saying. Like, how, what's the percentage of people who just don't want to go through the process of heating it up conventionally for like 25 minutes and just say, hell with it, I'm putting it in the microwave? I thought you meant people who just send it and be like, I don't know, 350 seems fine, I'll look at it. No, no, no. And so, don't follow instructions on the box. No, no, no. Because I couldn't even conceive of putting it in the microwave if it could go in the oven. So you're on so, the side, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so you're on 100%. the side with me. Take it, I've never, I... If you're in that much of a rush to eat, you got to get better at planning. If you're like, listen, it needs to be three and a half minutes. I can't. I got to get this pot pie in my face in three minutes or less. I can't wait twenty five minutes for it in the oven. It always comes out better in the oven. That's true. Same thing with reheated pizza. Could you imagine if you were putting pizza in your microwave in twenty nineteen? No, you'd be lost. Anybody, if you're listening, put your pizza in the oven. I would rank it: pizza in the oven, pizza cold out of the fridge, punch in the face, pizza in the microwave. I think is a fair hyperbolic. 
Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, all right. Uh, so Heather will be back next week. Uh, Allegedly. For, well, as long as she's not sick. I don't want to get sick. True. I, you canceled her from this I, one. I did. I canceled her. It was my fault. Heather, we love you. Hope you're better and back next week. Thank you again to Mike Hennessy. Um, Kevin, thanks for, for solo this with me this week. Uh, follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom. Or just follow the show at Uticast. We are on Facebook, SoundCloud, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts. We're taking over the web. Uh, Haunted Handshake, October 26th at the park, 6 to 9. Uh, Barks and Booze, October 22nd, 12 to 4. It's going to be spooky season in earnest. Uh, Woodstock lives. Uh, also, I just got to say, my sister's dog, Harley, died this week. Harley was, oh, you know what I uh, saw? That, yeah, 16, that dog, 15, 16 years old. I saw him on Friday before he passed away. Didn't know that he was going to pass away the mm. next day. They put him down, or did he just pass? Oh, they put him down. Okay. Yeah, he, that's. I feel like yeah. that's better than... The time had come. I feel like that's better than finding him. The time had come. Yeah. So, in this case, Harley lives. Woodstock lives. Uh, we will see you next week. The tape machines are rolling. We are desperately, desperately out of time. Uh, thanks for joining us here on the UDCast. <laughs>